everyone. This is Melanie. And this is Savvy Mom. And welcome to episode 171 of the Savvy Girls podcast. Boy, that's a lot of episodes. It is. Yes, it is. I was supposed to be on vocal rest, and so Savvy Mom and Deborah stepped in. I guess I did talk during your segment. You did a bit. Shame but on that's me. that's okay. Yeah, I guess it's impossible not to talk. I was sharing my joy. You were sharing your joy, as you will see. So this episode has two segments. It is Deborah. I don't know what she's talking about. I'm just putting it up. And it's, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's probably about knitting. And it's mom talking about her wonderful Slabby Swap package. Uh, Oh, it was wonderful. It is wonderful. Yeah. Lots of wonderful treats. Absolutely. So, so sit back, uh, put your needles all in your calendar. So next year you all do the swap because it's crazy fun and and enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the show. And I say, wait, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary day. And it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. Hello, savvy listeners. This is Deborah. I know I've been gone so long. And then every time I record, I apologize because I've been gone so long and I know that that's a pattern. I I don't really have an excuse. I enjoy podcasting. I, I've found life a little bit difficult to keep up with. And I, I guess that I'm going to stop apologizing. I'm just going to podcast for you today. I'm here. Hi. Things with me. I think the last time we spoke was probably about six months ago shortly after I got engaged. So I'm engaged and the wedding is 39 days away and I've tried not to be let wedding planning be all consuming, but I've kind of let it become all consuming. One of the, so I'm just going to talk to you. Let me talk to you about the wedding. Cause at this point I, there's knitting involved in it. There's crafting involved and I'll talk about those, but I, outside of that, in my in my life, I'm going to work and I'm wedding planning and I'm doing wedding crafting and then I'm just doing the regular grocery shopping, not often as I should, cleaning house, definitely not often as I should, uh, talking on the phone with Savvy Mom and Savvy Melanie and that I definitely do more often than the cleaning and the grocery shopping. But the wedding planning. So let me tell you, 39 days and 30 days from now, I'm getting married to Eric, and our wedding is at noon on a Sunday. And we're going to start the day, well, we're starting the day with, you know, well, I'm starting the day with hair and makeup. He's going to wing it with his hair and makeup. Obviously, I'm just kidding. He'll be fine. And then we're going to do a first look and photos in the morning, so that's all taken care of. And then we're going to do a ceremony, a Jewish ceremony called the Bedeckin. And that usually happens in a room outside of the main ceremony room with a smaller group of people. And it's the, this history is based on a, a biblical story, but it's this sort of sweet tradition, a sweet moment where the groom sees the bride prior to the ceremony and puts the veil over her, over her head. And it's, it's sweet and it's historical. And I know that it's not perhaps the most feminist. I know that there are patriarchal. I know, but it's also a sweet historical tradition. And I, I'm doing it with no sense of, of being subjugated with no feeling of subjugation. It's my choice. So I'm doing it. And I think it's pretty. After that, we'll sign the ketubah, which is a Jewish marriage contract. And then we go our separate ways briefly before we do the whole walk down the aisle. And the wedding ceremony will take place as Jewish wedding ceremonies generally do, under what we call the chuppah. And a chuppah is a four-pole, it's essentially a, a, a wedding canopy. So four poles and fabric over the top and open on four sides. And the ceremony happens there. And I have chuppah talk to, to talk to you about because I knit the chuppah cover. It's done, but definitely not blocked. And the blocking is going to be a challenge, to say the least. After that, uh Eric and I will leave the room and there is a, a nice Jewish tradition called uh, the Yechud or seclusion where the couple takes a couple minutes just to themselves. I'm sure in biblical times there was a certain 
expectation as to what would occur during those few moments. But uh, nowadays, it's really just a couple takes a few moments to be together after the ceremony, a few quiet minutes, and maybe you have a little bite to eat. And, and then you come in and join the party and everything's lovely. So we'll do that. And we'll then come join the party. And we're serving brunch. And it was very important for me to serve brunch because in my view, breakfast is the best meal of the day. I love breakfast foods. And so I wanted to serve them at my wedding. Because it's going to be, you know, early afternoon, there are also going to be other foods available for those who are less interested in eating pancakes. I, however, plan to eat mostly breakfast that day. Just I'll eat breakfast over and over and over again. And we'll have a short program and etc, etc. And the wedding will be done by around, I don't know, 6pm. And then that leaves us the rest of the evening for you know, for relaxing and neither of us are partiers. We don't go clubbing. So I didn't feel the need to, you know, have a dance at my wedding to turn my wedding into a club. So that's, that's essentially it. Both Eric and I went into the wedding planning process with kind of a strong feeling of wanting to be inclusive and wanting to treat our guests well. And by treating well, part of it means spending some money on things that will enhance the experience. We are quite budget conscious with this. But, you know, if it's a question of spending money on us versus spending money on our guests, we're trying to find a good balance, um, a good balance there where our guests are going to feel cared for and loved and welcomed. And then also, I'm trying to do all sorts of special touches. And what I would like is for guests kind of almost everywhere they turn or every element of the day, for there to be some kind of personal or special touch that makes the day interesting or special or a hey look at this kind of moment and that has taken up a lot of my time and energy over the last months but I'm okay with it because a lot of the the less creative aspects of the day I've enjoyed less so when it comes to like booking vendors and figuring out that kind of stuff I've done it because I had to but the stuff like I don't know I well, let me tell you about the things that I'm making and the, the crafting things, those types of, and the ideas of, you know, playful things to put here or there or, well, anyways, why don't I tell you about some things? So let's just start um, something like a guest book. I've, we decided not to have a guest book. I, I decided. I informed Eric after I made the purchase and, and arranged everything. But instead of a regular guest book, book I've purchased, a, a, we bought a cookbook. And it's a, it's a cookbook by a known Canadian cookbook writer. And it's kind of this beautiful, glossy-paged coffee table book look to it. But it's a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a good, anyways, it's a very highly rated cookbook. Anyways, so I bought that and some pens that will write well on the glossy pages. And instead of writing messages in a guest book that, will then file away on the shelf somewhere and not look at very often. I'm hoping people will illustrate and write messages all over the cookbook and circle things that they want us to try. And, and so then, and then we'll actually use it. And as we're using it, we'll see what people write. And hopefully it'll just be some fun, playful kind of thing for, for them to do and for us to enjoy later. Other things that I've done, I made myself my necklace the other day. So I bought earrings to wear and they're gold colored uh, sort of small chandelier earrings with some sparkly in it, but not not too much sparkle because that doesn't really feel like me. And then I bought a variety of Swarovski, well, I, a pack of Swarovski pearls from Fire Martin Fire Mountain Gems, which is a just an online beading store. And I bought a package and I strung my own <laughs> Swarovski pearl necklace and I put a couple little sparklies near the center near the center pearls so that it would match the earrings. And now I have my necklace. And then since I had extra beads or an extra pearls, I, I made a little bracelet too. And I just used, I forget what it's called, but it's that stretchy elastic that you can use inside if you're making jewelry. Sorry, that was my cell phone. I just got an email and it sings every time I get an email. So anyways, I, I forget wonder something or other. Anyways, that's what I used. Super easy. You tie a knot. I add a little drop of glue on top of the knot to make sure that it stays in place and doesn't come undone. And you snip the ends and then you're done. So I made those. Other things that I'm doing, fun things. Well, there's the chuppah. So the chuppah cover. I knit. The chuppah itself, the structure, is 
and I know I talked about this the last time, you know, eight months ago, but it, it's um, eight foot by eight foot by eight foot. So it's a birch, it, I have birch poles and essentially f- the, the long, the all, all three, the long, the width, the height and the length are all eight feet. So based on what I calculated, I needed, because it's, I'm, I did a circle chuppah cover, I needed to make a circle that was, now let me check my notes, um, at least it would be the equivalent of the hypotenuse of the square, which comes to 11 and a half feet. So I needed to knit an 11 half foot circle. So, and of course I made it in lace and I made, I made it using Valley Yarns 214 Alpaca Silk, which is an alpaca silk blend. And it's one of their weaving yarns. What I did is I took it, I bought cones of it, and then I I added twist to each individual, to each individual yarn, and then plied it so that it was doubled. So it came out to maybe like a slightly heavy fingering weight. And I took the pattern Leaves of Grass by Jared Fled, which is a a circular shawl pattern, and I, but I added an extra lace section which meant, and it's a pie, it's based on the pie shawl method. So each time you increase, you double the number of stitches and you double the amount of row, rounds until the next increases, increase. So by adding an entire section in there, I then was able to get a lot of extra knitting in. And I think it's going to come out to maybe 12, 12 and a half feet diameter, which would be enough. Now, that begs the question, how does one block a 12 and a half foot diameter circle? And it needs to be blocked because it's lace. So I've come up with a couple ideas. I think that it wouldn't be right to block it. I think that it wouldn't be... I don't think it would work if I simply just blocked the edges and tried to pull it. I don't think that would pull the inside of it enough to really open up the lace. So I think I need to block it section section by section. So... The lace pattern, in case I didn't explain this well, the lace pattern, with each with each in- increase, the lace pattern changes. So the first one looks a little bit like a flower, and the next, and then the next one looks like some scales, and the next one looks a little ropey, and then the next one looks like little arrows. But I can start with the center, and I think I can simply block that the way I would regular lace, so using pins and a blocking board. And then as the diameter gets a little bit bigger, I might be able to block the next larger sections on my blocking boards with blocking pins, but maybe do half and half, which then takes me to the second last, the last, and the edge sections, which then I'm going to have to come up with a creative way to block them. And the best I've come up with so far, and if you're listening to this and have a better idea, please let me know, is is to create a frame. And I'm thinking I can use half inch PVC pipes and 45 degree elbows, which will then allow me to make a PVC octagon. And on using that, I can then attach the, you know, the points of the shawl and really stretch it out onto the octagon. And, and potentially I don't have anything to pin it to that big, but at least to stretch it out onto the frame that might work. But if you have a better idea, speak up. Or if you have a billion blocking boards and an, I don't know, 15 foot space that I can use. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be creative here. Anyway, so that's, that's a big job to do. And then of course, I have to photograph it because I only have in progress pictures. Oh, yes. And it's beaded as well. I added, I added beads, but I made myself this very cool beading tool out of a guitar string. And if you haven't seen these before, they're super easy to make. They don't last forever, but essentially you take a a guitar string and it has to be a certain, I forget the weight, but a a certain weight of it, you know, you don't want it to be too thick or too thin. And then uh, basically you just, uh, you fold over one end. So you make it into kind of a, a very, a large crochet hook, but the, you know, the end is quite a, I don't know, like a quarter of an inch. And then beads pop on it quite easily. And then in order to get the bead off, you simply pinch the end together and slip it over the folded part. I don't know if that made sense, but just picture a straight line with a little number one kind of 
kind of head to it. And then on the end of the straight line, someone, some people have suggested putting a little eraser bit. I found that it worked. I used a little bit of Gorilla Glue and then just put a put a bead on the end so it prevented the beads from continuing off. But I know other people have been able to use these in a bead spinner, in which case you want to have one end that's free in order to load it up. I think that, I wonder if I have the guitar string weight. Hold on, if you give me a second, I'm gonna see if I have it, if I put it somewhere else. I might have it for wedding capelet, let me see. I know. Looking, looking, looking. Almost. I'm very sorry. Size 14. So a custom gauge 14 electric or acoustic guitar string. And I think I bought mine for 80 cents or $1.50, something like that. And it worked very well. I just turned it into a hook and then and then it, it's it's worked very well. Uh, so that's, that's the chuppah cover. And then I make, I'm knitting myself a little capelet and that's inspired by a picture I found on Ravelry, which that, that capelet that I found on Ravelry, it was someone's project and her project was inspired by a pattern. So it's a little bit of a, I I don't want to say that mine's based on the pattern because I actually, I didn't buy the pattern. I didn't, you know, I didn't look at any other images other than the one that was inspired by... The Beaded Cape by Jenny Atkinson. So I'm putting it out there that I didn't actually follow that pattern, but frankly, I was able to look at the one that was inspired by that pattern and figure out enough from the pictures. And I liked how this, the her name is Loria on Ravelry, and her project is Kayla's Wedding Capelet. And I liked that picture so much that I was able to figure out, kind of reverse engineer what she did, which was a variation on what the original pattern was. I was able to figure it out and and I'm knitting it. The the one big problem I'm having, so it's top down and I'm doing a seed stitch edge along the neck and then along each side and then I plan to do a turned hem at the bottom with a pico edge with beads along the edge and I'm doing I'm trying to do kind of scattered beading near the bottom, getting a little bit more dense as you get to the edge, and then a pico edge with beads on that. What I did, though, that I made a mistake, but I think it's a fixable mistake. I cast on using the... Ooh. A de Teague very, very stretchy cast on that I'm trying to remember... I'm sorry, I'm going to look this up. Yusalda Teague. It's a ribbed cast on. Let me see if I can find it. I'm sorry, I should have this here, but I don't. Ah, yes, the tubular cast on. And there's a Yusalda Teague video, and it's fabulous. Anytime I cast on using a rib, this is the one I do. And every time I have to look at the tutorial because I forget exactly how to do it. But it essentially, it's it's almost a double knitting technique for the first, for the cast on and the first two rows. So you're creating a tiny, tiny little tube, but it appears that the ribbing goes all the way over the edge into the back. So there is no different, it's just seamless and it's incredibly stretchy. So I did that for the cast on. It's normally used for ribbing, but since seed stitch is knit pearl, knit pearl, I was able to use this cast on for that. But it's so stretchy that there is no structure to the neck of the capelet. And it's way too, it stretches out to be way too big and it doesn't have enough body. So I was considering a couple things. You can't cut seed stitch or like, or, you know, what's that either like, to rip it out backwards, you can't kind of unpick a seed stitch edge and or ribbing edge and then unravel it backwards. It just doesn't work. I did it once with a ribbed, uh, with a ribbed pattern and it was a mess, and it it absolutely didn't work. So what I'm working on now is how do I add structure to the already existing cast on? And I think what I'm going to do, I could either pick up the stitches along the edge and knit a band to go inside, or I can just knit a band that's, you know, obviously a much, much tighter gauge and probably, you know, smaller and then sew it on. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do, but essentially I'm just going to 
I don't know if I've, it's essentially to create a hem along the top, but a hem that's added on after the fact. And so it'll make the top, give it more structure and make it more dense. And uh, hopefully it'll sit nicely. But other than that, it's going along well. I'm maybe an inch and a half to two inches away from maybe, well, anywhere from an inch and a half to three and a half inches from being ready to do the pico edge and to turn it under. As I mentioned about the jewelry, I'm going with gold. So I've, I found medium, a medium gold colored seed bead and with a silver lined inside. So it catches the light and it's a medium gold. So it's not, it doesn't look like it's yellow, you know, a really bright yellow. I'm using it on ivory colored lace weight yarn. And the yarn is mystery yarn that I bought at a store that whose name I don't remember. And I know the store has since closed. It's a store in Ottawa and they particularly had, they got in Millens and I think the store was kind of a discount yarn store where they bought up, you know, batches from mills and from places and they had beautiful yarns but most of it was unlabeled so this is a very light airy there's probably some silk and some cashmere maybe merino i can't tell there's no tag it's lace weight and it it has it actually has really lovely it makes really lovely even even stitches and I had originally tried to make this out of a single strand of the, what is it, 214 alpaca lace from, from Webbs. And and it, it's it's the same weight, so they're both a lace weight. And the alpaca lace, it the stitches just looked so messy. It, they just weren't coming out evenly. And I'm a fairly even knitter. So there was something about the yarn, and maybe it was the alpaca contact content that made it sort of slippery and not but it just wasn't it looked messy the stitches did not look uniform and even so I'm going I found this other one in my stash and I know that it I know where I got it I have no idea what is in it but it's something beautiful so I'm making that other creative touches to the wedding I am I've put together a program I know most people put together a program but still that's something I've done and I've, I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to think if there's other, other creative things. Oh, favors. So I know that favors aren't necessary. And I know that most of the time people don't even like favors if they get them at weddings. But I saw this, I saw this step-by-step instruction online of how to make epoxy tiles. And I tried it earlier. Essentially, you take a four by four inch by four inch you could take any tile frankly but it's uh like a a a tile from like a home depot a a white colored i don't think they're flooring tiles i think that they're like backsplash tiles but they're or or like shower tiles and what i've done is i've spray painted the back so the back is also white but then you take either a picture like a photograph or scrapbook paper and you mod podge it onto the tile and you Mod Podge over it so that you're kind of sealing the paper in. And then you pour an epoxy resin that comes in two parts and you have to mix them and it smells awful. You pour the epoxy resin on and it creates this absolutely mirror-like finish. It's incredible. As long as you don't let schmutz get into it. And schmutz, I mean like little lint, like pieces of lint or little pieces of dirt or, you know, a hair, that kind of thing. If you can keep it so that nothing's landing in it as it dries you end up with this fabulous mirror-like finish and then I'm just adding little felt tiles felt feet along the bottom so that they can sit and obviously not scratch a person's table so I was hoping to make four I was I would love to be able to make four per person but the epoxy resin smells so terrible that I'm now at the point where I have to negotiate every time I use it because Eric apparently doesn't like us being poisoned. I don't understand why. So I've I've had to kind of I initially started gusto and then I've I'm now having to navigate when I can do it when it's nice enough outside that I can open all the windows and when he's not home for a number of hours so he's not there where it smells the worst. 
I'm, it's unlikely that I'm going to end up with four per person. It's almost for sure I'm not going to end up with four per person, but I might be able to end up four per family unit. So a couple or a family, they'd get one set of four. And if a person is coming on their own, they too would get one set of four. So every household would get a set. I'm close, but not there yet. But they turned out, so, they're turning out so well, except I'm really picky, right? As us crafters tend to be so I'm looking at it and I notice well this one had a little bubble that came to the surface then I didn't because if you blow on them apparently the carbon dioxide in your breath and it works it works really well the carbon dioxide in your breath pops brings all the brings the bubbles to the surface and and it pops them all which is great I don't know why exactly but there's some kind of chemical reaction that happens but every now and then if I forgot a corner or if a bubble rose to the surface after I had already blown on the surface to to rid it of the bubbles then so there are like imperfections in the surface and I'm a little bit picky so I keep looking at them and maybe one out of every five I'm seeing something I don't like but that might be a little bit silly and I probably should just go ahead and I don't know I I could try to fix them and some of them I think I'll sand down the surface and then try to re-epoxy them and other ones I'll I'll just leave it. And in the end, half the guests are traveling. Many of those who are traveling are flying and as my delightful sister pointed out, no one's going to want to carry four heavy tiles home in their suitcase. Especially since, she didn't point this out, but especially since they're probably doing a trip to New York as well and is likely to go shopping in New York. And in terms of priorities of things to take home in limited luggage, four homemade tile coasters are maybe not what they're going to choose, which is a good point. And no one's going to miss it if it's not there, but I am going to know if it's not there. So there's that. Other things I'm thinking about, uh, well, actually, we've decided on no wedding cake. We're not, I was going to say we're not cake people. We are cake people, but we're not a presentation of the cake kind of people. It's a cake. We want people to eat dessert. We want to eat dessert. We don't need a big fancy cake to cut and then smush in each other's faces. And then why am I paying so much to have my makeup done if I'm just going to end up with cake in my face? Anyways, so instead we decided there's a dessert that's provided as part of the meal. And it's a nice dessert because we're getting married at this nice farm-to-table type of venue. And then I've ordered a bunch of cookies off of uh, Etsy, which... Might sound unusual, but I found a number of cookie sellers, a number of people who have certified home, certified home kitchens that they use to cook and then sell things on Etsy. So this person, uh, the person that I found in particular, who is based in Pennsylvania, something like that, she had a wide variety of cookie choices and had a wide variety of of some some anyways lots of lots of cookie choices and and it was able to do it in large quantities so she's going to bake the cookies and is going to send them to directly to the venue and the venue will put them out on plates and so we'll have cookie platters on every table in addition to dessert and we're doing that instead of instead of a more formal cake because you know people will have dessert and then they can have more dessert and in terms of you know fun delicious cookies and and then have you heard of a groom's cake and here's the here's something that's probably definitely not going to happen but I'm thinking about so if you've heard of a groom's cake it's usually a cake that's in addition to a wedding cake and it's it's usually something playful that represents the groom's interests and I think it's often the bride who organizes it for the groom and I don't know what tradition this comes from but I've certainly seen it so if the if the groom likes hockey maybe it would be like a hockey shaped cake or if the groom has an interest in fishing maybe it would be a cake with you know people fishing on top of it or whatever it is but it's a playful playfully themed cake usually reflecting the groom's interests so my groom has a particular taste or he particularly likes rice krispie squares He really, really likes Rice Krispie Squares. And in fact, it was very cute when I was in the hospital for the transplant. And if if you've been listening for a long time, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been listening for a long time, I was an anonymous live liver donor back in the, when was this? The summer of 2015. 
I made an anonymous live liver donation and I was in the hospital for a week and Eric was there and my mom was there and my mom noticed that in particular Eric would go when not necessarily when he was feeling stressed probably when he was feeling hungry but he found a caf- the cafeteria sold Rice Krispie squares and I think he ate mostly Rice Krispie squares for many of his meals that week and my mom noticed and then after we got home my mom taught Eric how to make Rice Krispie squares and there was this very cute moment where and I was on the couch I was recovering and so I was you know, sitting on the couch, which is adjacent to the kitchen, and it's an open plan in my mom's house, so there, there's no wall in between. And there was this very cute moment where, you know, they they melted the the butter, and then they melted the marshmallows, and then they mixed the marshmallows with the rice krispies, and then you put the rice krispies in a, the, you know, in the in the greased pan or dish, and then you kind of you straighten it out and pat it down, and then Eric goes, okay, now what? And my mom said, now we're done really so it was it was this cute moment where he realized that like i guess you don't put them in the oven or there's nothing else to it other than just marshmallows and rice krispies so i've seen online images of people who make a wedding cake out of rice krispie squares so essentially you buy the you get the like the wedding cake tiered look you make large you know large slabs of rice krispie squares in, in different size either different size circles or different size squares and then stack them one on top of the other and then so if there's time if there's energy which there's unlikely to be time or energy then that might be something that i'll think about doing but savvy mom you are going to be in town a week before the wedding and maybe you and i can figure out how to do this and that could be fun and then you know serve it to the guests and who knows if people will eat rice krispie squares or not but at the very least it'll be you know something playful and i'll have a rice krispie square a couple other things that i've been doing my centerpieces i decided not we decided not i say we but it you know really it was my idea and eric wholeheartedly agreed not to get a florist i i I made a list right when shortly after we got engaged of things that were important to me and things that were not important to me and flowers made the list of things that were not important to me. But I realized, I realized partly through the process that while flowers aren't important, having a celebratory feeling in the room is important. So decided instead of flowers, I was going to do it myself, but I didn't want to ever have to do everything at the last minute. So instead figured potted plants would work well and which potted plants are beautiful i think succulents are stunning so we're gonna go with succulents i was looking for a tiered not a tiered a pedestal bowl to put them in something that were a little bit off the table i'm trying to avoid something overly rustic looking because the venue itself is a little bit out in the country and it's an old house that's been converted into a restaurant and it's charming but I don't want to go. Didn't want to go the whole burlap route or exposed wood route or anything like that because I'm not from the country. I didn't grow up on a farm. It's not really me. So I ended up going to IKEA and I bought uh, an off-white, a large bowl. And I can, if you're interested, ask and I can tell you which one. But it's essentially just a plain large bowl, and it was something like five ninety nine each. And for each table, I, I made one of these. And then, uh, this, then they had smaller bowls, like cereal-sized bowls, that matched these larger bowls. And so I took the... Essentially, I created a pedestal bowl. I took right side up, I took the big one. Upside down, I put the, the small bowl. Or And then I, in, I used... What is it? E6000 or E3000? Oh, what's the glue called? Hold on, it's a good thing I have my computer right here. E6000 glue. Yeah, so it's E6000 glue, which is a permanent glue. It works well on glass or on ceramics, but you have to wait for it to dry. So if you test it too early, if you test it within 12 hours instead of 24 or 36 hours, and it's not as solid and it, it can come off. But so essentially I glued, I created the pedestal with one upside down, a small upside down bowl and a large right side up bowl. And now they're now I have them, and I've ordered also off of Etsy actually, off of Etsy. This this is a place uh, it's called uh, Gardens. Hold on, where did I order my flowers or the succulents? 
um, Mountain Crest Gardens. So they have a website as well as they're on Etsy. And I ordered quite a few succulent plants, um, large quantity of succulents that will be coming in a couple weeks from this, from this, it's not a nursery. Uh, what do you call it? A place that smells, that sells plants, whatever it is. I've ordered a large number and they're going to be sending them, but I'll be able to do the planting into my centerpiece bowls. And I have some extra of these centerpiece bowls that we'll use to decorate around the room. I'll be able to do most of the planting three weeks to a month in advance, which is great. And then the day before the day of, I'm just going to arrange to get some flowers, some, I don't know if it's roses or daffodils or whatever it is, and then just poke them into the already existing um, arrangements. So there'll be some color and some flower to it, but it won't take, it won't take a lot of work immediately, right while everything else is going on. So, oh, and also with centerpieces, I wanted hurricane, hurricane candles? No. They're called pillar candles in hurricane glasses. So pillar candles, well, I, I wanted something in addition to, to flowers. So I ended up doing a lot of research. And of course, I found a tutorial online, very, very simple to make dollar store hurricane pedestal candle holders. So essentially, it's a, what's the right word? A cylinder. It's a cylinder vase. It's a glass cylinder vase and then a glass candlestick holder, like a candle holder. What's the word for it? Oh my goodness. Like the glass thing that you put a candle in. Candle. I forget the word. Oh my goodness. Anyways, you know what I mean. And so it's just a, one of these glass candle things and and then you use the E6000 and you glue it to the center bottom of the the glass the the glass face and you let it dry and it creates this beautiful pedestal not a pedestal but a you know raised yeah pedestal uh hurricane glass and then I went to IKEA and I bought some pillar candles and so those are going to go into go in and those are my centerpieces and I hope they're okay I'm really nervous that I may have you know, sometimes when you make something yourself, you think it's going to be cheaper and faster and easier. And I'm a little bit nervous that it might end up being more expensive and not as professional. Because in the end, buying the plants themselves, I may have bought too many because I didn't know how many to get and I erred on the side of more. And, you know, that's in, in purchasing the succulents. And then, I don't know. I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't, overspend for what is going to end up looking like something homemade but I, I it maybe it'll be fine hopefully I'll be able to send you pictures and you can all reassure me after the wedding that it was beautiful hopefully and then for table numbers on the tables I bought from Ikea oh I forget what they're called but it, it's essentially they're white plastic uh frames that that are two-sided so it sits on a little foot and then you can see on both sides and I've tried spray painting those gold gold color to kind of match the the gold little bits of gold all over in in the wedding colors but unfortunately it turns out I'm not actually very good at spray painting so I've been I bought 16 picture frames that I intend to put the picture numbers in about 16 of them and I have been spray painting I've gone through now three cans of spray paint these are four by six or five by seven I think they're four by six photo frames they are not big three cans of gold spray paint and they I can tell you they they look so amateurish it's terrible I think part of the problem is that I know you have to put a really really light coat of spray paint on anything and I tend, I think I initially started being too close and lingering a little too long. And so I ended up with drips and then I sanded them all down and tried again. And then I left them out, you know, because I'm spray painting them outside, I'd leave them outside and then they'd get a little, a little dirty. And then I spray painted, probably spray painted a little over the dirt. I don't know, but I have not managed to get a, a smooth finish and I'm really close to giving up and saying they're good enough. I, it really should have been very easy to, to just spray paint 16 small photo frames. Anyways, people will be too, light, too polite to mention it, right? I hope so. And 
what else? In terms of what I'm wearing, ooh, I was very frugal and I bought a dress at a sample sale and I'm very happy with the dress and I'm sure you can all see pictures after the wedding. Right now, I don't even have it to send pictures or to, to put up pictures because I'm, it's currently getting taken in. And, oh, I'm making my own veil. Oh, veil, making my own veil. So being someone who crafts and someone who sews, it was important to me to not waste money on something that I could easily make myself. And a veil seemed like something that I could easily make myself. I did some research and decided that I wanted a higher quality fabric for the veil fabric. So there are a number of choices. The most common one is tulle, which like a which is kind of the scratchy it has a lot of body to it so if someone wants like a puffy veil then that's really good it costs like somewhere between 95 cents and a dollar 50 per yard very inexpensive i wanted something with more drape to it so i ended up finding english netting i think that's what it's called and i bought it i've actually gone shopping on etsy more than i thought i bought it from a british a fabric seller on Etsy and it was a whole, you know, $7 a yard instead of, you know, two. So I splurged on this and then I got it. But then of course I erred on the side of caution and got probably three more yards of fabric than I needed. And now I'm dealing with huge swaths of fabric and I got the extra wide version. So I'd be able to have a nice gather in it. And all this to say is that the veil is not done. And it's going to be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. I bought the clip that I need. I have the fabric that I need. Mom and I, I went I went to, to Edmonton about a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago. I went to Edmonton and we worked on the veil. But the thing is, it's 108 inches wide and then five yards, five yards long, which is way too much fabric. But it's tricky to find the middle and you have to know where the middle is in order to place the comb and to get the gather right and to cut it. But because it's so wide, it's hard to identify where the center is. And it's so flowy and slippery that it's very difficult to, you know, fold it in half. So we worked on it. There was a lot of hand sewing down center seams, you know, down a center fold to, to identify the middle and... Um, it's partially done, but definitely not done. But Savvy Mom's coming in town a week before the wedding. And I'm going to have a list of things I need her help with. And the veil is one of them. And then shoes. I'm actually using a pair of shoes I already owned. It's a simple pair of low nude colored heels that I got from Easy Spirit. Easy Spirit is a store that sells wider shoes. And the shoes are definitely not all fashionable. But I have wider feet. And... This is a pair of shoes that it has a, a T strap, and so they 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 they're comfortable, and I've they're in good shape. But I've worn them enough to know that they're comfortable. I'm happy with them. I'm wearing them. I'm happy. I'm not buying any more shoes. I don't know what else. I've been talking your ear off. It's been 41 minutes, almost 42 minutes straight of wedding talk. At least I've gotten it out of my system for this evening. Maybe I might have to Google something. I'll check my to-do list. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Talked about knitting, talked about crafting, and hopefully I the next time I podcast, I'll be able to tell you either how things are going or how things went with the wedding. And I'm hoping to have other knitting to talk about because after this whole thing is over, I'm back to sweater knitting and regular knitting projects. It's been delightful telling you all about this. And until next time, I know this is probably not the end of the episode or I'm not sure when Melanie is going to put this part this episode out but I'm going to say it till next time tend to your knitting kitten Here I am with Jen. Hi. And what's your ravelry name? Jen P78. And mom? Hi, I'm Savvy Mom. And the bird? Colette, say something. She says, well, if you look at me, I'll make noise at you. I'll poke her. She'll swallow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. It's not poking the Mom. Okay. So touching my shoulder. The, the bird's here. The bird's on mom's shoulder, on shoulder. And we are opening mom's swap package. Or mom is opening mom's swap package. Well, first of all, we were all sitting here looking at patterns because Jen wants to knit a blanket. 
And so we were all looking at patterns and helping her choose. And she we bought yes, some yarn. She did and beautiful variegated bulky yarn and now you have a pattern to knit, hopefully. And while we were looking at patterns, uh, there was a doorbell ring and this package arrived for mom. So a package, a UPS package, and lucky me, I share opening my package with everybody. So open something, mom. So we opened the box, and inside the box there's a card, and it says it's from Ellen. She's a twin. Mm-hmm. Ah, she's also a podcast. She's also a podcast listener, and she has put And together- she's a podcaster from Twin Set Knits. There you go. And she's put together such an intriguing parcel full of wrapped presents, full of ribbons, and interesting things. So the first thing that I noticed was a squishy, beautiful skein of beige yarn. Oh my gosh, I love the color. In fact, I'm wearing... Uh, well, it, it's Pretty not close. really beige, but what would you call this? I don't know. It's kind of a gray. Grayish. 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 I think it's grayish. It's not a real color. No, but it's Angora. It's Shetland and Angora DK yarn, and I love it. It's just beautiful. What are you going to make with it? What are you going to make with no. it? No. Probably a shawl. This? Ooh, it would make a nice shawl. Because it won't hold the shape of a hat, so it would have to be a shawl. So it says Angora Rabbits Yarns and Wool. No, there's tons. It's 300 grams, I think. (sighs) 200 grams. It's beautiful, and I love it. So, and then there were all these parcels. And then there was, on the bottom, I'm going with the already unwrapped things. There is a magazine called Made in the North. That's ironic because we're really north. Because we're yeah. more north. More north. We're more, more north. north. So MPLS and St. Paul. St. Paul. Minneapolis. Min- Minneapolis and Minneapolis, St. Which Paul. is pretty far south, actually. From us. From we're us. north from a lot of things. Right. Ooh, I'm going to have fun with this. And what's this, Mom? And some cross-stitch. It's, oh my gosh, it's so Do you beautiful. know what it is? Well, those are reindeer and trees. And, yes, and but do you know what the item is? You wet it. You wet it? I think it's a washcloth. Soft and absorbent when wet. Sustainable alternative to sponges. <gasps> it's beautiful. So you use it like a washcloth? Just not for vomit. I wouldn't use it for vomit. It just would ruin it. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Oh my gosh. Made in Sweden. Wow. Okay. So, Mel, uh, I started reading the letter that was put in the package. However, Melanie took it from my hands because she wanted things to be a surprise. Right. So open something. So I'm opening this. All right. That's opening sounds. (laughs) Very good opening sounds. I wanted to make sure that the machine picked it up. You're freaking out the baby bird. She's not a baby anymore. She just acts like one. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. Look at that hat. It's a beautiful hat in sort of a... off-white Iran color. This is beautiful. And look, it fits my big head. Look you just better. It does fit your giant head. And what is a bird doing with, about She's it? She's looking very... She's chewing your hair. So here's what she wrote about it. Um, okay, um, I saw a sample going for gold hat in my local yarn shop. It was knit in a local yarn, so I thought it would be perfect. I knit it first in cream yarn from Koru Farm Yarn, a local hand spun. It looked cute, but it was beanie-sized. I thought I must have chosen the wrong yarn, so I knitted in a red Briggs and little Tuffy worsted weight. It was still too small. My knitting buddies claimed I was having a little too much Christmas cheer during this time, <laughs> and that was what was the problem. Nope, I just missed an entire 16 row repeat, so I ripped it back and re-knit it correctly. It looked so nice that I ripped back the cream one and re-knit it as well, only neither one looked quite like the photos. Finally, I realized what I'd been knitting as a 3 pro repeat was actually a three-stitch cluster stitch. Ugh. So I knitted again in the yard called Aww. for Malabrico's Yarn Arroyo, and it came out correctly. <gasps> it's beautiful. So she knit, like, four hats for you? Oh, my gosh. This is <laughs> that so That sounds like beautiful. something I would do, because I would stop after ripping it out the first <laughs> And cry. Me, too. And cry. Oh, it's beautiful. We have to take a close-up picture of we this. We will. To post. Thank you. That is beautiful. So much work. Okay, open something well, else. Maybe uh, the tiny one. Oh, okay. Oh, listen to it. That's intriguing. Is it broken? I hope not. Is it broken is a good question. With knitting sounds, or knitting sounds, ripping sounds. Ripping sounds. Oh, 
double pointed needles. There are five of them. So this is what she wrote. I hope you, I'm hoping you might like the carbon needles. These are actually the only used thing in my gift. They're pretty and expensive. They're really expensive, but just too slippery for me. I broke my wrist last summer playing ice hockey. Yes, ice hockey. I just learned and loved it. She should just live here. And something yes. about them was just not right anymore. Please enjoy them or pass them on. <coughs> they're beautiful. Yeah, they're really good. Mom. I will use these. These are gorgeous. <gasps> Very excited. I've never had needles like this. That's Thank it. you so much. This is so much fun. I get to share this with everybody who's oh, listening to your podcast. And just so you know, the, the copy of the magazine is because one of her daughters works for MSB Communications. Oh, okay. So if you get an email or recipe from Betty Crocker, you're getting it from my daughter. Oh, wow. I do so, that a lot. So really? Betty Crocker? I've never gotten like recipes. Their sites and stuff? Oh, yeah. I usually get mine from Canadian Living. But you're not that. supposed to say that. She just... Your daughter. I mean, I don't I get don't, emails never, from them, but like I download stuff. I never Betty thought Crocker of looking at the Betty Crocker site. I will have to Betty do Crocker that. does good lots of things. Oh, yeah. Okay, open something else. Thank you. Quit rushing that is her so mind. much fun. Okay. What's that one? This one? Yeah. Ooh, it's red. It's red, everybody. <laughs> it's That's red. what it is. It's red. It's red. Mississippi it's, Market. It's a mug. It is a <laughs> mug. It's a mug, and it looks like someone took a bite out of the M. So it says, as I've heard you mention on the podcast that you like tea, I sent a red Mississippi market mug to you. This is my local food co-op, and it is just down the street from me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, perfect. Perfect size. Thank you. These are really good things. These yeah. These are wonderful things. Uh, you pick. What do I open next? Jen, you pick. I just picked. You pick. This one. Okay. It's square and looks hard. It is. Opening sounds. Gift opening mm-hmm. sounds. Ripping. Considering Jen and I just had a birthday, Mom's giving all the gifts. I know. <laughs> yeah. Jen and Melanie share a birthday. I'm older. By a little. And we got cupcakes today in honor of our recent birthday. And we ate a lot of cupcakes. We did eat a lot of cupcakes. But they were baby cupcakes, so it doesn't count. Oh. doesn't count. So these um, these are ginger candies and chocolate bars from the local co-op. We are a ginger-loving family, and I hope you love these. The candy can also be used as tea for sore throats. Oh, really? This is intriguing. Have I used that word yet? The bird doesn't approve. Milk chocolate bar and buttered toast chocolate bar. Mm. Yum. Thank you. Love chocolate. Yeah, I'll just. I would have had. I had. Didn't I have two chocolate mini cupcakes? Just you did. You did eat two chocolate mini, and then one other. She ate three. We all ate. We all ate three. We all ate three. Point fingers. Wasn't just mom. That's true. I did have a third. But they're mini, and they're tiramisu was the third. Indeed, yes, yes, which is almost chocolate. I like how these were wrapped. They're wrapped in white tissue paper with colored. Yeah, red um, and yellow ribbons. Yeah. Red and They're yellow so ribbons. Oh, okay. You know, I forgot the word for yellow at that point. I just Did looked you? at it and I thought, I'm I wonder so what color. Sorry. I know. Mm. Is this another? Oh, I it's, like that color. It's the other hat oh. to which she referred. The same pattern. Similar. Uh, no, I think it's the same. Look at the. I think it's the same. I'm this pretty, part here is different. No, I can see that part. No, look. Uh huh. These are wrapped. Okay, These maybe it's not. The same. They're so cute. This is a beautiful yarn. Thank you. Oh, so much. I bet that's work. Malabrigo. That one's going to be the Malabrigo. The it's purple with bits. Purple that is that pink. is Malabrigo. You can tell looking at it. Because of the way the color subtleties are in the yarn. We'll have to take a picture. You we wearing will. one and me wearing one or Jen wearing They're, one. That's oh, a no, really cute hat. They're so cute. <laughs> They're oh very both very both nice. very very cute. Beautiful. I like the okay, colors. Pick another. You've got four things left. Okay. This one's soft. Hmm. Ooh, look at this. Mr. McFeely's speedy delivery. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, Mr. McFeely. 
Oh my gosh, I remember those shows. So it said, the Speedy Delivery Bag is in honor of both your background as a teacher and my hometown near Pittsburgh, where Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was set and filmed. I grew up watching Fred Rogers on television and some of my college friends interned at his studio. I really want a life-size Speedy Delivery Bag for myself, but I thought this one would make a nice project bag. This is perfect. And yes, That's cute. we remember Mr. McFeely's Speedy Delivery. That's really cute, Mom. Oh, look yeah, at the trolley. That is so cute. That, what a neat present. Very unique. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Okay. Open this one. one next. Okay. You're so demanding. Because I we've already talked about it. Yeah, I can, you screwed up and got ahead of yourself. I think these, I would assume these are the ginger candies. That's what I'm They're thinking. a ginger candy shape. Yeah. Oh, soothing travel treat. Ginger. Want one? Maybe later. Can I finish opening your presents? Yeah, open your presents. Oh, there's so, look at the happy people on the front, the ginger people. They're happy. Those are terrifying. They're happy until they get eaten. <laughs> yeah. Their tongues are made of ginger, <laughs> too. Please don't eat me. They're going to eat me. That's right. Maybe you'll soothe their throats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to put this over here. This is a beautiful package. This is a wonderful incredible. package. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling like I should have assigned her to me. I'm okay. sure my partner will come through, too. Sure I can't wait. Well, that's okay. I haven't mailed my package. <coughs> What's this? Thank you for buying a product. And wood from the hood. So it's a wooden coaster or cutting board is made by Minnesota Craftsman for Minnesota Lumber. I thought it might work for cutting up snacks or cheese. Use, use for slicing limes and lemons as a trivet centerpiece or mini charcuterie board or snacks too. or cheese or snacks or cheese mm-hmm. reclaiming wood from your neighborhood oh something else from the neighborhood Wait, are we allowed to re- just reclaim stuff <laughs> like, you can't just go find something and send it out it's got to be like actual stuff oh we can't just go to the neighbor's garage and no. just reclaim a ladder oh there's you're not going to mail a ladder I meant just started to keep this is wonderful just wonderful this is so exciting and I've got a last one here and it's squishy, and all of the other. I don't know what it could be. I don't think. Very exciting. I think we've read everything. The third hat. Oh, the third hat. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. Can we do one? Oh my gosh, this is so cute. I have a. I think essentially it's the same pattern in every hat, though. If you look at the this one's got a little variety, and you sent me all the hats. That is so sweet. <laughs> That is sizes. so They're all different adorable. sizes. Oh, that's cute, Mom. Oh, that's, that's cute. That it's one's... all hipster slouchy. Oh, my gosh. They're so sweet. Well, I've had so much fun with this parcel. Aren't you glad you let Melanie talk you into opening it today? I am. See? There I you am. Now, I am. I wasn't going to open it until mine was in the mail, and I'm still working on a couple of but... items. But I'm so glad I did, because I got to share <laughs> these with all of you. Three hats. Oh my gosh. And Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you for for picking my name or getting my name and sending a wonderful parcel. And I did notice in the parcel that you included not just breaking the rules, but themes from other years. That's true. Namely, keep my, it local. My favorite things. My favorite things and keeping it local. So... Right? Extra points. Extra, Extra points. points. That's what, just what I was about to say. It's neat and it's sweet. It's a ding-dong treat. Little socks for little feet. With your knitting all day long. Knitting's friendly and knitting's fun. Knitting's good for everyone. And that is why we sing this knitting song. Thank you so much for listening to episode 171 of the Savvy Girls podcast. If you'd like to reach us, we are at podcast at SavvyGirls.ca. I am Melanie at SavvyGirls.ca. Deborah's, I guess, Deborah at SavvyGirls.ca. Uh, what else? Um, we are on Twitter, SavvyGirlsPCast. I am on Twitter as Melanie Presents. I am also on Instagram, like all the kids under Melanie Presents, etc., etc. So we're going to try to get back into a regular podcasting schedule soon i have some traveling some more crazy traveling so we'll definitely be podcasting and i guess that's it in the meantime tend to your knitting 
kitten. Shout, I shout if I want to, and do you know why? Why? Because I am. 